Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today we are going to go back on the podcast with Mark and I, as we promised. And as we always do when Mark is here, we're going to ask Mark, how is going, Mark? Because I think people have missed that. I certainly haven't missed that. It is going good. I've actually been to the first conference, first in-person conference Ooh. in what, two years or something? Did you uh, catch down COVID? Down in London last weekend. So no, so far so good. Although you wouldn't know there was a pandemic in London, uh, judging by the way everyone's going around. But uh, there you go. Okay. Any other news for subscribers or anything else? Or can we jump into the podcast? Did we mention on the podcast that we sold our website last week? Uh, no, we haven't mentioned that. So go ahead and okay. tell people. Shall we tell people? <laughs> yeah, clearly we did a good job of planning this stuff. This is going to come out sooner or later because we're doing some marketing material around it. But yeah, a website which we, we built four years ago, something like yeah. that. We sold it for uh, a six-figure amount <laughs> towards the lower end of the I spectrum. I think the, the interesting part is it's the first site we built for the first version of the authority site system. I kind of like, we kind of let it sit around for a while, mostly because a lot of people were copying it, to be honest, because it was like the main site. Because we release new versions of the course, there's been two new versions of the course since then, right? And every time we do a new version of the course, we do a new site. People had kind of forgotten about it. So like last year, we were like, oh, let's pick that site up and actually fix it and, and you know, apply all the test stuff and like go back to essentially what we're teaching people so that you know, we're not full of shit and we actually do with the stuff that we teach and we see a real life result. And we took that site from, you know, as it was an example site and we were not pushing it, I think it was making like 200 bucks a month or something. We just had built it for the example and not really pushing it. And yeah, I think we took it to like around like 5k a month or something in a year and a half or something like that. Yeah. And then we sold it. And then we uh, sold it. Yeah. Happy days. So there will be more of a case study coming out. Actually, what's going to happen is, you know, we had that webinar. We were promoting to people that we wanted to subscribe to our email list. So if you go on the homepage of Atari Hacker, et cetera, you see that webinar. I am in the process of refreshing that webinar based on that case study so that it's kind of like a new, interesting. And also it allows me to refresh a lot of tactics we were showing in there, et cetera. Like everything's still working, but there's still some like tweaks that I want to add to this. Therefore, I am working quite hard right now on re-recording that training. And that is going to be 100% free. We're not charging for this and you'll be able to access uh, all the details of the case study. So that's coming up in a few weeks, I would say. There's still quite a bit of work on the webinar, but there is a piece of content related to that cell that I think you guys are going to be enjoying. But for now, I suggest we jump into the podcast topic because that's what people clicked on the YouTube video for or on the podcast for. And today's episode is all about what the hell do you do when people are copying your shit? And... (laughs) And that's that's a problem in online marketing. We are definitely a cause of the problem as well. Like when I teach keyword research, I tell people to go and check other websites that are ranking and stuff like that. So, well, in essence, that yields to like people that are copying you if they follow tactics that we would be teaching, etc. But it is an inherent thing in any competitive industry, right? It's like you see, for how example, when you go on social media, right? At the beginning, it was just Snapchat having stories, and now every single social media has stories, and they, they've essentially copied each other because they realized it was a great engagement feature, and now TikTok's doing really well, so like, you know, Facebook's trying to do something like TikTok, and YouTube's trying to do like YouTube Shorts, etc. And you can see that it does happen in every industry. It's not just specific to the online marketing industry, anything competitive, there is a degree of like copying, and that's essentially how, you innovation works. Like you come up with something and then someone just kind of like makes it 5% better, etc. And over time, things get better for the end user. But for the people who run the companies, they have to deal with people essentially catching up. So 
let's go ahead and what we're going to do is we're going to take different things that people might be selling from you and how we would react to it and how we would and give you some stories as well of things when it happened to us, etc. Because I have a few stories when people did that. The thing I, I, I want to say is that if you're just starting out as well, you should expect this to happen at some point. One of these things will inevitably happen. Uh, it's quite rare that a business like never has to deal with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, also, if you're starting out, I would expect you to, some, to, to some extent, copy someone else as well. So it's like, you're not always on the receiving end of this. Like, you will be looking at sites in the niche you're trying to rank for. If, you, if you're trying to do SEO and you're not looking at a single competitor site to get any inspiration, you're probably doing SEO wrong. So you will also be on the giving end of this. But like, that's why it's going to open all sorts of like interesting debates, etc. this podcast. And the first one I want to talk about, which is it's definitely a debate of whether that's a problem or not, and I'll explain to you why, and I want to know what you think. Uh, it's when people copy your site idea, right? Um, so it happened to us several times, right? It's like usually the way it works is you have a site that's starting to do quite well, and like for us, we hang out with quite a few marketers in real life, etc. and I expect quite a few people would like have some people around them that they might be able to talk about that would have some the power of like competing, basically, and you end up telling them, and then like six months later, you realize that guy, after you had that discussion, started a website in the exact same niche, monetizing the exact same way you described when you had dinner together or something, and you're like, fuck my life, why did I share this? Uh, and uh, and, you, and you just hate this, and you're like, oh, that's, this is over, I'm fucked, etc. And <laughs> it, it has happened. Bit dramatic, but yeah. Slightly, okay. but like, this is a podcast, we have to do like user, like a viewer retention, so I have to over-dramatize, you know, that's how it works. Gotcha. But I, anyway... <laughs> The thing is, like, you were probably not alone in your niche to start with, right? It's like you probably didn't invent a brand new niche or something of a brand new product, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like an affiliate or something. So you need a niche where there is products you can affiliate. Therefore, there are other affiliate sites, etc. So in my opinion, let's say you guys, you're competing for the same keyword. That guy literally checked your site, picked some of your keywords and ranks for them as well. Let's say you rank number three and he ranks number five, right? Something like that. Like something that is still like, You'd be annoyed, like you'd see next to your listing on Google, etc. Actually, virtually changes absolutely nothing in that situation because if he wasn't here, like another competitor would be here, and whether you know him in real life or not, changes absolutely nothing to your like to the traffic to your site, etc. And in my opinion, this kind of competition only matters when for a query you are number one and two. Let's say there's someone that you gave some competitive insight to and you end up on, you know, some kind of obscure query. You're like, oh, this keyword, like nobody targets it, but I'm making a lot of money for it. Like that's the kind of comment you probably want to avoid in real life. And then you, you end up being number one and two, then yes, there's a chance this guy is going to overtake you. And that could really cost you quite a bit of money. Number one to number two is quite a bit. But in any other situation, number one and three, number one and four, number two and four, etc. In the end, another competitor is above you and is taking that traffic and you're kind of competing with the guys that are above you anyway. And it's very rare that these guys that you shared that idea with end up stealing direct traffic from your site, even though it's frustrating because you know the guy and you know where his idea came from. And it's like, well, that's that kind of sucks. But it does happen. And one thing that I'll give you an example of, of a case where it could have happened to us when we were in uh, the software niche, that's the other case study that is on the Authority Hacker site that I wrote like two years something ago. And basically we were in a, uh, in a software niche and the way I found keywords was not by looking at competitors, but by looking at the support section of these software we were affiliating and finding all the problems of, of compatibilities that people had with different brands of the software. And I would recommend a brand of the software that didn't have this compatibility issue. So for example, it'd be like, oh, this software doesn't work on Mac 
what do I do? And then my article will be like, well, yeah, by default, this software doesn't work on Mac and there's really nothing you can do, but they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can get a refund and you can buy this one that does work on Mac, for example. And then I, when I would say this one, it would be my feeling. And nobody else did that in that competitive industry, etc. And if I had shared that in real life, that would have been a case where I would actually have lost money, which is why even with real life friends, I tend to not share like our best money making stuff right now in very explicit details because I want to avoid that. And especially when it's like kind of sneaky and we find some unique angles on things, which can happen. But in every other case, you don't have to worry too much about it. 99% of the time, if someone, if like you're competing on the best keyword together, it really doesn't matter unless you guys are number one and two. But what do you think about this I conundrum? I think there's, so I see there's two types of people. There's people who share openly. <laughs> Listen to the other like podcast. And, and people, who people who share openly, like, hey, this is my site. This is what I do. It's on their LinkedIn profile or, or whatever. And then people that, you know, you just will not get what their business out of them. You have no idea what they do. It's like, yeah, I, I run affiliate sites. And that, that's how they introduce themselves. And I get it why someone would be very protective about it because it stops people copycatting or piggybacking or whatever you want to call it at this, this kind of early stage based on your idea. I'll be honest, I don't know how many people go and start a successful business based on, you know, a chat at the bar about hearing someone else like, oh, I run a, you know, paintball site or whatever. Of course, um, we do. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know too many people that, that go and go and do that because it's a lot of work, right? You're probably going to do like some actual research and and look at like what are the best niches and and all that. What you find or what I've noticed is that people who are going and like whole, like copycatting the niche, they tend to be beginners and they're maybe like not sure how to do it themselves or if this works. And they find out this person makes you know ten grand a month, so like oh, I'll just copy their site and I'll also make 10 grand a month or half of that or, or, or most whatever. of the time and it doesn't work out most it, of the time it's yeah. more like you know it's kind of like a rock in your shoe you know these people are not very good but they can kind of like hurt you on like one or two keywords it's yeah like, oh, it's, this it's is more annoying, annoying you know? <laughs> than actual damaging I, I would say as well the downside of being secret um, is you can't get ideas from other people you can't talk about your business with other people you can't kind of market it as well you know, yeah. if you go on like it can't be the face or, or something of the outside. Yeah, thing. exactly. And you know, some people don't like doing that anyway, so that that that's that's not a big deal. But I mean, personally, as we we do it with Authority Hacker, we we put ourselves out there and stuff. But on the flip side, with our other sites, we're mostly somewhat more kind of reserved and stuff. And I would say that's probably a large part due to past experiences with copycatting. It's a bit different for us because because we're exposed. Like it's like we have yeah we're exposed through these podcasts through the content we put on the Hacker, etc. Like people want to know which sites we're running and so on. Yeah, and it's like you know if nobody cared about what I'm doing, I wouldn't mind at all putting my face on stuff. Now it's like when we start a new site, we kind of have to keep it under wraps at least until it reaches a certain level of authority so that people don't just go ahead and copy every single thing we do because they think there's some kind of like magic formula in what we do or something, you know? A couple of years ago, we had uh, Miles Beckler on, the, on this podcast and he had that exact issue when he did a, a public case study. And when Spencer Hawes was on as well, we, when we interviewed him, we asked him about this and he was like, yeah, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to do another public case study because of this issue. It's different when you're you have you know hundreds of thousands of people following you and getting advice on building sites than it is if you're just you know a random person getting started in this. 
you know, I would veer towards the let's uh, let's be open and tell people what I'm I'm doing side of things. Yeah, I agree. If you're not public in this industry, then I would say it's not really an issue. People don't care as much. Maybe what you can do is you can share what you do, but not necessarily share how, how well it's doing, which I, I, I would tend to prefer. And this way, it, it attracts less people and makes them want, less want to copy it. Uh, you're like, yeah, it's doing okay. And maybe you're killing it or something, you know? It's interesting. I was just, just at this uh, the, 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 this conference and um, it's totally not like that at all. But I have been to other conferences in the past where people try and sort of like ego bait you to to sort you're of like reveal how well doing. well sites are doing and, and, and things like that. Yeah. So just just be prepared for, for that kind of thing. So you mean in Chiang Mai, right? No, a, a different one, actually. Okay. All right, not in Chiang Mai then. Okay, let's jump on to the next section, which is not necessarily when people copy your whole site idea, but they go ahead and, you know, they put your site in Ahrefs and they find your top pages and they, they start copying that. And you see them releasing page after page, that's like your top pages, and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what you're doing here. Uh, that's quite annoying, etc. And you end up overlapping in rankings. Usually when you start seeing these people creep up in like your competing domain report in Ahrefs, then you know that they tend to do that. So I like to like, for example, like a, a good idea to, to identify the people who do that is you go in the competing report in Ahrefs and you screenshot it every month and you see which domains are like creeping up and you might catch the people who are doing that, basically. I mean, first of all, it's not going to be an answer people want to hear, but it's part of the game, right? When you when your business is marketing material, you cannot make it private. Same way as like if someone invents an amazing outreach template for link building, they kind of have to send it to website owners. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, it doesn't work. And that's kind of the problem. It's like, well, you, when you're doing marketing, it has to be public because the point is to promote stuff. Um, so it, there is some of that. Another thing to note is that I actually have done the test. I took Google Analytics side by side with Ahrefs and even SEMrush. And I was looking at our top 25 pages on three different sites. It was only 60% accurate, which means that quite often some of your best pages are actually buried at like top 50, like quite, quite a lot below the top 10 or top 15. And that allows you to kind of like hide your stuff quite a bit and they, they won't see everything basically. Then there's this concept that I like, which is like, usually the site that copy you, they won't necessarily have the exact same niche as you. Like maybe one of you is like a paintball site and one is an outdoor recreation site, for example, and they will start copying you. Let's say if you have the outdoor recreation site, or even if you have the paintball site, you'd start, like what I do is I, I let them take over that hub and I start a hub that doesn't fit the scope of their site. So let's say I have this outdoor recreation site and this paintball site is copying me, my paintball hub, for example. Then I'll go and like, you know, I'll do inflatable swimming pools or something. I'll do, I'll go and focus my, uh, yeah, I know it's a great hub idea, Mark. I see you like it. And I, I'll go for something they can't copy. And what I let them do is I let them take the burden of what I call the R&D of the hub which means like if they're copying me, they're probably around the same level of authority as me. And what it means is like the R&D for me is like when you have nobody else to copy, you kind of have to throw content at the wall and see what works and what doesn't. And you will tend to have more content that doesn't hit than when you copy someone else, right? So if that happens, what I do is I let them, I'm like, okay, fine, you want to play that game? I'll go focus my money somewhere else. Like, and you know, maybe reverse engineer someone else that doesn't match what your site does. And I let you, catch that content, but then you have to, if you want to keep going, you have to go beyond and try keywords I haven't tried 
and then I will go ahead and go back to your site later and I will find the stuff that has worked on the stuff that you threw at the wall and I will copy that and I will make you pay back for what you made me pay, basically. So it's kind of like a chess game, right? You've got you've got to like, um, and, I'm, and I let them pay with their money back in R&D what they stole from me in R&D, basically. That's kind of the idea. That, I see. I see you like the sneaky tactics, but that that's definitely like video game type mentality stuff when you're doing PvP games, etc. I think the the other thing with that is just the bigger your site gets. Like if you're the biggest site in your niche, you're just gonna get you're gonna have doing to this like yeah. all the time. Like you will not be able to have like secret keywords. Like people will yeah, yeah, yeah. copy every single keyword you have. But then the next thing that you can do is you need to think like the person is doing their keyword research, they're throwing your site in Ahrefs and they're looking at the stats, right? And then if the stats are good, they will go for that keyword. And if the stats are bad, they will not go for that keyword, right? So how about you manufacture stats that make the keywords look worse on your pages? <laughs> for example, if like you've done guest posting in the past, for example, right? Let's say you have a page that's already killing it. It's killing it with very few links. You're just ranking on authority. It was a great keyword. It happens, right? Go ahead and go back to all the sites you've already guest posted to and get some links to that page. Because if they start seeing lots of linking root domains to that page, they'll be like, well, they're ranking, but they have a lot of ranking root domains. Therefore, that must be why they're ranking. It's not such an easy keyword, though. So I'm not, there's less chances they will copy that. On top of you strengthening your rankings and probably keeping them if things are shaking up anyway, if, especially if that page is valuable to you. So that's one thing that you can do. You can start manufacturing the stats in the sub preview. Think about the stats you can see. It's like linking root domains, it's domain rating, and stuff like that. So another thing I like to do as well is, you know, for example, we're doing it for a few sites right now. We're pushing DR quite fast. Like we're trying to push DR up quite fast. So like we have a site that jumped up like 10 DR points or something in the last week or something, like by pushing really hard link building. And that's what it allows you to do as well is it allows you to make the stats worse because when they open the, first of all, people tend to copy low DR sites that are ranking well. So if you stand, if, you, if you're able to push your DR up with stuff like shotgun skyscraper, et cetera, there's less chances they will push you, they will copy you. And also the stats are going to look worse, which means that it's not going to work very well. Another thing I like to do when I, when a lot of people are actively copying me is um, I like to use my ability to understand the flaws of keyword research tools in terms of search volume and target keywords that I know will have search volume, but show zero search volume on the keyword tool. Because again, it will allow me to like lose their attention. Like they'll be like, oh, these guys are doing shit now. I'm not copying them anymore and just jump on the next guy to copy. And then I'll go back to that and do that. And another thing as well is if you're lower DR than the guy that you have noticed is copying your keywords, one thing I've done as well is while doing keyword research, I've held back the absolute gem best keywords until I catch up with them in terms of site metrics at least. And I throw them off with all those, the, the, the zero search volume type keywords, et cetera. And when I get to the point where I'm like, okay, now we have the same metrics, we caught up with the DR or something, the DR push or something, now I'm gonna put the content that I know is the real gems because I know it's going to be a lot harder for you to go ahead and snag that keyword for me once I'm settled, you know? So like, it is a, like you've gotta be a little bit sneaky. You've gotta go in ahead of the guys that are copying you and you've gotta either manufacture stats or like make it dissuasive through your DR or understand the flows of keyword tools that many people will not understand basically. Back in the day, we had a health and nutrition blog, and it's changed now, but the biggest site or one of the biggest sites in that space at the time, this is sort of like 2014, 15, was uh, dracks.com. Oh, yeah. And I remember they used to block... <laughs> 
Ahrefs. You can't really do that robots, anymore. Robots. Like they, you text. can block Ahrefs. Yeah, you can block Ahrefs, but the only thing that it blocks is the links coming from your site to other sites. Like they scrape Google to get your rankings. So I don't know how they got off Ahrefs, but I actually was checking before we when we were preparing this podcast, like how the Ahrefs block works and how to block it. And you cannot do that, actually. Like they say, they will only not show the links from your site to other sites. If you block, basically, they will not show the information that is on your site, but they have no problem showing data about your domain that is not on your site, like your rankings or your potential traffic. So it's not. Yeah, they can find links to your site on yeah, other sites, which exactly. can scrape or on the SERP. So yeah, you exactly. Can't really get get around so, that. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll probably ping Tim and I'll ask him if it's possible to do that. And uh, maybe I'll update next podcast because this is a question I have. Like, can you opt off Ahrefs? Even if you can, you just use one of the less well-known um, <laughs> keyword tools and they tend not to be blocked. So. The main use of Surfstat is to is to literally get the data that is blocked by two Ahrefs, you know, because everyone's blocking Ahrefs SEMrush. But nobody blocks Substat. So it's like, if you're if you're a sneaky person in a sneaky niche, then a subscription to Substat is uh, not a bad investment. That's all I want to say here. Including links and PBNs is a, is a really good place to find them as well. All right, let's talk about content itself when that gets copied. Because when we first got started, eleven plus years ago, that actually used to be quite a big problem. Where a big site would copy the content of a small site and sometimes even even outrank them. I think it was the Panda Panda update. This is like, again, going back probably nine years when Google changed it so that the first site... I don't site, think it was Panda. I'm not pretty sure. sure it was. Uh, maybe, I think it was Caffeine, but I'm not 100% sure. I thought it was all about duplicate content, Panda. All right, so if someone is old enough in the, listening to this podcast, then you can let us know. Uh, but it's one of these updates around that time, yes. Okay. One of these animals, anyway, was the change was the first site to publish an article was credited as the original source and anything else in theory would be discounted. Now, there are a few tricks and peculiarities around that. It wasn't actually the first site to be pu- to publish it. It was the first site to have it indexed. And if your site didn't get indexed very often and another one did, then there was potentially some, some issues there. But more or less, it, it solved the issue and you didn't have to worry about people just copying your content and, and outranking you from about 2011 onwards. One interesting case we had even after this is we had a writer that started writing some content for us. And as it was going through the publishing process, so we would have to edit it, you know, upload it, find all the images and stuff. She actually published it on her blog. This was a kind of innocent mistake, but she was she was publishing it and it was getting indexed on her blog before it was being published on on our site. So after we paid her for the content, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she, she did she didn't understand SEO. She didn't know what she was doing here. Didn't know that it was a big deal, but. Yeah, that's one thing that, that that happened to us. So you should be careful for little little things like that. And you know, if you're have like a demo version of a site or your what do you call it, like a staging area which gets indexed, you know, there's there oh, are potential staging sites, yes. issues with things like that. So you just be very careful to make sure that the first time. Google sees a piece of content published on a site is is on on your site. On on uh, that topic, I don't think people know, but if you use Grammarly Premium, it actually has a duplicate content checker. It shows you all the sites with the sources where content may come from, etc. So Grammarly is not only a great tool for like non-native speakers like me to like actually fix stuff like that. That allows me to write the newsletter, for example. <laughs> like it helps me a lot. <laughs> but 
it also uh, helps you for that kind of stuff to find this kind of like duplicate content if a writer has been submitting content that was published somewhere else and stuff like that. So I highly recommend Grammarly Premium because altogether it's a pretty good tool. It's not too expensive at all. So, yeah. Uh, and another issue which happens a lot is scraping sites. I don't know why half of these sites do it, but you will have, if you go into your Ahrefs for, for your own site, you will have hundreds of sites which scrape the content on your site and publish it on their own site as a blog post. I'm not sure what exactly what they're doing half the time. I, I really can't understand the business model here. It's mostly automated, but it happens. I would say just in general, like, don't worry about it. It's generally not going to affect you. Some people freak out when they see sites doing this for the first time. It's not that big of a deal. So that's kind of like the, the direct wholesale copying, which generally you don't have to worry about these days because it's not going to affect your SEO. There are some more indirect ways of copying though. So for example, if you have an article, 10, 10 things about paintball, 10 beginner paintball tips, you can have someone come in and not only copy your keyword, but go through your article and all their tips are the same as yours. All their examples are the same as yours. Their conclusion is the same as yours. Like They've essentially rewritten the article, so it's unique in the eyes of Google. It's not, not the same and they're not going to be penalized, but they've still kind of like stolen from you, intellectually speaking. Yeah. You know, Neil Patel did a few times to us, actually. I mean, I... <laughs> I've I've heard that like a lot of stuff that he's. I, I he's have done. actually I actually have a story about this. So people love these kind of stories. I know it. And I'll tell you which blog post it was on the Hacker. It was the one on freshness about updating the published date. You know, that I did. It was like that plugin I had found at the time, which I don't recommend anymore. But you know, at the time it was it was kind of good. And it allowed you to update the schema data on on your post. And it was just like I showed like the fucking crazy bumps in rankings from just changing the publish date, right? So I wrote that story. It was pretty unique. Like nobody was talking about this, etc. Literally two weeks later, I'll just say his name, like bloggingx.com. <laughs> this guy literally just writes the exact same thing with the exact same plugin, the exact same examples, the exact same everything, and actually ends up outranking us. And then comes to me. I think two months later, like, oh, I'm a huge fan. I would love to like work together, etc. I'm like, fuck off. You just copied our content, etc. So yes, it does happen to us. It will happen to you too. And people will do that. But I think one thing that is interesting with that is not necessarily this kind of tutorial I was giving you, but rather list posts. Because I think something very specific is happening with list posts with search intent, which is more and more in list posts, it tends to be the, the posts with the most links that the most items rather in the list that tends to rank higher. It just ends up becoming a war of a bullet list items. arms race. Yeah, exactly. It's like you start like, you know, top 10 things and then it's like top 12 things and then top 15 and you end up like, we have some some keywords or so it's like top 120 and stuff. Like it's just like insane, right? And it's like lists are becoming like that. And so they are very, very good opportunity for people to go ahead and go and steal your, your points, you know? So like you just steal like the, the sub points because eventually you cannot. And so again, it's one of these things where I now let people go ahead, but barely, you know, it's like I, I monitor the page and every time they change the page and they update the list items, let's say they copied us, like we were at 12 and they were at 10 and they did like 14, let's say, you know, like to try to update. 
I let them get to 14 and then the day they update the article, I let them do the work and I go and take their points after they stolen from me. <laughs> and I just let them do all the research. And then my writer like has twice less work and can update, you know, within 48 hours. And really the effect on rankings is minimal at that point, whether if you're fast enough, you know? I know one guy, I'm not gonna say which niche because it'll probably reveal who it is, but <laughs> I had that arms race going on. And uh-huh. he, he wrote like, you know, 22 things about whatever. And he actually then also had his writer write like 35 or 44 things about it. So it's, it's written, it's in draft format, ready to go. So as soon as the competitor did like 30 yeah, yeah. things about it, he published <laughs> it. And it was like, you know, yeah. so, so it kind of dissuaded people there. But you could argue that that just makes the whole thing worse. Yeah, I mean, in the end, like least posts eventually, what, what happens is then you hit a too high word count to the point it starts to be detrimental to your page on time and stuff like that, which eventually you will lose rankings. So then the list items have to get shorter and shorter and shorter. And then you end up with literally just a giant bullet list. And that's the post, you know, and that's the nonsense that is Google search intent, not relying on link metrics, but rather relying on this kind of stuff. And also because numbers in title tags is what makes people click. So when there's like 120 versus 100 or something, people will click the highest number because they think it's better. But that's essentially the the arms race nonsense that Google search intent has introduced to some types of query. And I am amazed that they haven't identified that. And I would not be surprised that if the next few years there's some reversal of search intent to some extent, actually. But anyway. Sometimes with this as well, you know, it, it can be, we've had like friends of ours do this to us and stuff. And it's it's not necessarily like done out of evil, like the, the person at the top saying, oh, let's get Mark and Gail. But, you know, <laughs> their editors looked at it and, you know, that's the way you beat people. You look yeah, at yeah. the keywords and you do, do better than them. So like, I, I would just say like, don't, take this stuff too personally when it when it happens it's part of the game of seo um, it's a competition at the end of the day and you have to play it in order to succeed i, I do have one really interesting case okay. uh, where someone went a little bit far with this so they had basically done this with their writer they'd uh, they said you know rewrite mark and gail's content make it try and make it a bit better and they they did that i wouldn't say they did it made it any better it was at best, like 80% as good. But they'd actually use the same images which we had used as well. And I think they tried to argue that, oh, they're just generic images from, from the was site. Was it hotlinked? It was, uh, no, it wasn't hotlinked. Sometimes it was using like cropped and, and changed and the arrows were different and stuff. But they had used the source images. It was like an Elementor review or something like that. And it had my login in it. So like we were logged into WordPress and like my photo was in the profile at the top right. And I think it was even like our website and and the picture as well. So they hadn't really thought this through particularly well. Now, there's nothing you can do if someone's rewriting your content and, you know, doing this legally speaking, there's, there's nothing you can do. But if they are using your images, that's different. So I want to talk about that now. I have a trick for images too after, but go ahead. Images, any image you create, you hold the copyright for. And people cannot or they're not allowed to use that without your permission. It happens all the time, but the law says they're they're not supposed to do that. Uh, You can identify this mainly through reverse image search. Uh, So if you take any image, 
go to Google Images and you just drag and drop the image or upload it there, Google will find where that image is on the web. And there are tools like TinEye and there are a few other ones which will do this automatically. So it kind of monitors it, whether someone's, someone's doing this, you can upload all your, all your images there. We had Stacey McNaught on this, this podcast some time ago, and she talked about doing this as a way of link building. So whenever this happens, whenever someone's using your image, you can reach out to them and sort of say, you know, hey, don't do this, you know, you're not supposed to, but it's okay if you link to me in a nicer way, but essentially that's the message you're, you're sort of communicating. And she builds quite a lot of links that way. We, we've tried it a little bit, haven't had too much success with it, but I, I, I think we haven't like properly optimized it yet. If you actually don't want them using your image though, for, for whatever reason, then you have the right to get it taken down. And there are a few different ways you can, you can do this. More, if it's a reputable site, if you just ask them to take it down, they probably will because they're law abiding citizens and they, they don't want to get sued. For sure. That's how it works. Interesting case though. Um, there's a, there's a company called Getty Images. And if you've been running websites for any amount of time, you probably had an email them from them at some point threatening to sue you. And there are, there are a few other companies do do this as well. They own the copyright to millions of images and they're constantly searching for people who use them. It can be something innocent, like someone's downloaded it from a stock site and then uploaded it to a free stock site. And then you've downloaded it from the free stock site thinking it's free, but it's not. And then you get an email saying, hey, you're damaging our reputation and brand, pay us $10,000. If you ever are on the receiving end of something like that, don't respond because it's it's one of those things where the people who respond get milked. There's so many people doing it that the people who don't respond, you know, they tend not to not to follow up. And I even heard of one case with this it's like where shotgun lawsuits, you know, it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> shot, shot, shotgun shakedowns with uh, copyright. And I even heard of one case where someone someone paid the, not the whole 10k, but like a couple grand, and then they hit them immediately with like 10 other demands for payment as well for other images which they'd, they'd used. And they hadn't had their lawyer to make sure that they wouldn't get sued. And that was at the end of it. That was the final settlement. They'd, they'd just done it all their stuff. So just be very careful with, with images and this kind of stuff. And the final thing you can do is called a, a DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act. It's a law which was passed to basically protect against Napster, I believe, which was one of the first music sharing sites. For all but the it also works. Here. Yeah, it, this is this is the, how I got my first MP3s in I don't know Ooh, 1995 or whatever. But the DMCA takedown notice is a very quick way that a copyright holder can notify hosting company, or most likely it's going to be Google. And if they send it to Google, then they will remove your article, your link from. A SERP. Now, it's not going to take down your, your whole website, but if your article has copyright images on it, someone sends you DMCA, Google remove that URL from their index. So yeah, just be, be very careful of that as well. Okay, I have another trick if you want to like annoy people who hotlink your images, if that's the case. I mean, first of all, there is a tool to prevent hotlinking in Cloudflare. So if you're using Cloudflare, Perfect to turn that on because this uses your bandwidth as well. If you're using like a high quality host or something, you're going to pay for people's bandwidth if they steal your images, which is quite annoying. But another thing you can do is like we actually have a plugin that we use to manage our images on Atari Hacker and some other sites called WP Media Folder. And that also gives you the opportunity to replace an image. So like update an image, but keep the same URL, right? So do you see where I'm going here? <laughs> you can literally make an image that is just like a giant ad for your site 
or something like that, and replace that like, any image that gets stolen too much, you can replace that image with like a big URL to your site or even a URL to an affiliate offer. Like you can make an ad, whatever you want, right? And if you replace that image, then everyone who is hot linking to that image is now going to start showing that little ad that you put together. And all you have to do is go back to your original post, re-upload the image with a different URL and change it in your post and you get a bunch of free advertising. So if people are stealing your images, you can either block them with Cloudflare or you can use their impressions to advertise whatever you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm really learning a lot about you, Gail. I, I'm so glad I never <laughs> never got on the wrong side of you. Like I feel like you'd be like very formidable foe in like some kind of vendetta. Well, it's all the online gaming and like, you know, trying to find every little strategy to like outdo your opponents in PvP and stuff like that. It's the same mentality that you can apply to online marketing. So yeah, it's like obviously when I think about more, let's say, ethical tactics. Obviously, the less ethical ones also come through my head. <laughs> so it's like, I, I'm sure these ones are like not very bad. And plus, in the first place, these people are telling your stuff. So it's like, I don't feel bad about that. I would say with all of this stuff with, with copycats, like it's very easy to get drawn into like an emotional, yeah, like, oh, yeah, they've, they've stolen, I should hurt them. Most of the time, you're well better situated. off like ignoring them and just focusing on like doing well with your own business rather than trying to like hurt someone, someone else's. Most of the time, there are exceptions, of course, but I'm showing all this stuff. But I, it's the stuff I've done once or something like more for like, does this work or something, you know, like just to like, you know, the hot linking. I was like, okay, can I really just control the content on their site now that they've got hot linking to my image? And it's like, it was just like interesting to try, but like most of the time, it's not worth it. And I just triggered that option in Cloudflare and that's it, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's just fun. I want to talk briefly about company names and, and branding and, and that kind of stuff because when you're starting your site, this is a something which a lot of people overlook. They don't look to see if a company exists already with a, a name or a similar name and if that trademark has been registered. Something's very important when you're um, trying to come up with a, a domain name. There are multiple, like millions of cases where uh, companies have had to change their name after they got to even a reasonable reasonable size. It happened to Perrin, you know, like when Perrin started the uh, hip oh, really? Actually, you know, his dog's called Chewy and he called it Chewy Says, which obviously Chewy.com wasn't very happy with. Uh, yeah. And he got hit by, you know, a trademark infringement and he had to hand over the domain to them. No, I think he, he, he redirected. I'm not sure. Like he either redirected or handed over the domain, but he, he had to season the assistant or that trademark basically. And so like, yeah, it happens to people even at a small scale. And it happened to someone that you might have followed if you've been following this for a long time. And that's where hip hop came from initially. So yeah. The rules with this stuff are basically whoever was doing it first has the first use trademark. Now, in most countries, most Western countries, like United States, United Kingdom, the, the company using the name first is the legal owner of the, the, the trademark, essentially. And registering the trademark just really cements that fact in, in law. Other countries like China, you can be using a name for 10 years, and if someone comes along and registers that trademark, they've never used it before, they own the trademark. So you have to be careful in which country you're in and, and, and whatnot, but that's generally how trademark law works. There's a very interesting case with Nissan.com, which is not the website for a very large car company, but it's the website for a small uh, computer repair shop somewhere in, in the US. And they were actually using the name Nissan Computers, I think it was, before Nissan used the name Nissan, because Nissan used to be used the brand Datsun or something like that when it first 
first came to the US, I believe. And they still hold the, the domain name, but it's been like a horrible experience for them because they've been had to pay millions of dollars to defend it, their case in, in court and fight various legal battles and, and stuff. So generally, even if you're on the right side of this stuff, if you're going up against a large corporation, it's not worth the time and hassle. Like, just be be careful that you're not infringing on anyone's trademark with your name. There is a, a process to fight against this for uh, cyber squatters and people who are are like buying similar domains to to yours. We've actually we didn't end up going through with it in the end because we we managed to get the domain another way. But someone registered Authority Hackers, the plural dot com, and quite a few people actually. Thought we were called authority so hackers because like two of us, so authority hacker, authority hackers, the the authority hackers, and they they registered that domain name and they copied our homepage design, logo, images, everything. They changed the text just ever so slightly, and then they redirected it to a sales page for another affiliate training course that the guy had made. It was like some Russian dude, which was bizarre. I'm not sure if anyone ended up buying that or. Or whatever. I think he was we, getting traffic though, like some tra- some residual traffic, you know. For sure. I mean, look, well, we looked in Ahrefs, and they were actually getting some links. You know, people had mistyped it and, and things like that. So basically, we we had to do some internet detectiving and find oh, out who he was, that. and ended up like sending him a bunch of letters, like to his address and like uh, where. Didn't he we send it to his like job as well? Didn't we find where he was? An email, was- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was like it was clear. There's like cyber squatting, you know, just holding a domain, and then there's like, you know, real cyber squatting, like what he was, what he was doing, pretending to be us, basically. So he ended up like not renewing it, and we we managed to get it. So that's good, but it's a cautionary tale, you know. Once you get to a certain size, you'll start encountering problems like this. So it's a good idea to acquire, you know, the .net and the. Dot UK and all sorts of different TLDs, the plural authority hyphen hacker uh, we, we've got now. And it's not like when we spend like 200 bucks a year on domain names for authority hacker, which is crazy. But, you know, you got to do that to sort of protect your brand. We do have a trademark registered for authority hacker, and that helped us in the next example which is social media handles. Oh, now, I remember that one as well. So, social media handles are different from domain names in that companies like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, they don't like people buying and selling them, creating like a digital real estate market in them. I, b- I believe it's against their, their terms of service to buy or sell a, a username. However, there are some cases when people are, are using it in, in bad faith. Someone, when we first started Authority Hacker, someone else had, uh, someone had the Twitter handle. So our Twitter handle was Authority Hacker without the E, like H-A-C-K-R, uh, which was a bit shit, but there you go. That's all, all was available. And then that person somehow, maybe they dropped their account and then someone else picked it up. Uh, it was an Indian guy and he contacted us, first of all, trying to sell it to us for like five, five grand or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then shortly after, he changed like the image on it to be us. Basically, the bio was was linking to our website, pretending to be us, posting content, po- uh, <laughs> like posting stuff from our site. So a lot of people actually followed him, and not a lot, but like people started following him, thought it was us, and he ended up redirecting or like linking to some like affiliate offers and like just dodgy stuff. So Twitter have a process where if someone's trying to impersonate, you can file a dispute. And in order to file that dispute, you have to have 
a registered trademark. So we had a registered trademark in the United States, which was handy, and filed a dispute, presented all our evidence that he tried to sell it, how he was um, pretending to be us, all that stuff. And then they awarded the, the Twitter account to us, which you can go follow now at twitter.com forward slash authority hacker. Yeah, and we didn't have to pay 5,000 for it. Yeah, so <laughs> you need a lot of document documented proof and have How do you get place, the um, trademark? Like, how does it work? So it's very simple. You can do it yourself on the, the uh, patent and tra- patent and trademark office. Is it PTO? I think it's can called. Can we link the US. to this below or something like? We will do. Yeah. If you're kind of not like comfortable with that stuff, like I wasn't the first time we did it because you know we're we're in the UK and it's a different system and all that. Actually, I believe now if you're outside of the US, you have to use a lawyer to to use it. Then they change the rules on that. So we went with what was the. We, I actually had him on the on the podcast. Uh, his name is Randy. So we'll we'll link to that show up here. Uh, it's probably not going to be on YouTube. Actually, it was but before we did video. But he came on and he sort of did it for for us. I think we paid like four hundred bucks, three hundred bucks or something. To, so when is it? Was the whole process? Like, who should do well it? in in that case when you uh, yeah. you you have a, a domain issue. But once your business starts getting towards a certain point, like I don't know, mid six figures, like you start encountering like. Issues people like who this want to and take advantage as well, people trying to take advantage of you. Definitely, you know, when you're you're starting this brand new, you know, brand new website, you don't have to bother forking out four hundred bucks to, to to do this. But once you get going, it's something you should seriously consider. It protects your brand, and also when you sell your website, if you have a trademark, that's it's not a big deal, but a buyer will potentially value your site slightly higher. So you're probably going to get your money back in that case eventually. Just, just from that. I'd say if you're like going for like the very branded aspect of things, etc. Like if you're like a thin affiliate site, eh, probably not worth it. But if you're going for something a bit more branded, you, you have photos of people around and personalities around your site, etc. Then uh, I would maybe consider it. And uh, this brings me on to my next point, which which happened to us relatively soon after we launched Authority Hacker Pro is that people started to, and this will happen, if you have an info product, this will will happen to you, I guarantee it. People started downloading, copying, ripping the product, and then first it appeared on some like torrent sites, it was on Reddit for a little bit, and then people started reselling it. And this was this is new to me, I didn't know this, this industry existed, but there's an entire industry of uh, sites which uh, copy info products and resell them for like, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. And it's absolutely infuriating the first time you you come across this. I, I've seen people who run info product sites discover this is happening and give up doing info products because of because of it, because it's it hits on like such an uh, emotional nerve for them. <laughs> I would say it's it's a bit annoying, but at the end of the day, this is a business problem. There's business solutions to this. So try and approach it with a with a level head. By the way, if you're a buyer of info products, be very careful uh, with these sites because some of them, especially the ones that charge in crypto, don't actually deliver anything. They just steal yeah, your money. Yeah, some of them are like pure scam um, sites, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, and often you don't get the full course, or it's like a five-year-old version yeah, or exactly. whatever. Yeah, there are a few ways to go after them. You can go after their payment provider, but basically tell them what they're doing, show evidence that they've stolen your content. You can go after their hosting the same way, but the most common way is go after them in the SERP. So no one can find them by issuing a DMCA takedown notice, and Google will respond like very quickly, usually within a few hours. If you do that, and yeah, 
people generally won't be able to, to find them. Now, this process of DMCA takedowns is very effective, but I've seen the reverse of it also happen. Negative uh, DMCA. Yeah, negative DMCA. A friend of mine had written a review for a uh, affiliate marketing course, not our one, another one. And it was a pretty bad course and it wrote a pretty bad review. And then suddenly someone made a, a brand new site. It was like basic WordPress theme. They copied his article wholesale, pasted it on their site. And then they issued a DMCA against him saying, hey, I wrote this article and this, this person's copied it. And so they Google took down uh, his site or that article based on that. And like the guys who they, they took down, like his name was on it, his photos were on it, like I'm so-and-so, this is my site. So it was like, yeah, horrendous kind of situation. Had to fight back about it, but you know, filed the counterclaim and, and it was it was gone. If anyone's getting any bad ideas about like trying to do this to people, it's actually <laughs> like a really serious crime. I think it's like a federal crime in, in the US, which is like a more serious one. That's like perjury or something. So yeah, don't do it. But it, it's a thing you have to kind of think about. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm wondering if you're helping people or hurting people right yeah. now. <laughs> anyway, so how did he fix it? When they file the claim, you get the option to respond. So he responded, showed evidence that he was in the right, and then it took them a couple of weeks, but they yeah. restored it. Can you imagine doing that during like the holiday season or something? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> okay, know, that's is, my evil side coming up again. Sorry. This is something which we haven't really encountered it too much because we're not in any like really like cutthroat competitive niches. But not anymore, yeah. The guys in like gambling and CBD, I'm sure this stuff goes on like all the time. Can you imagine um, like mattresses for Black Friday? Like yeah. that must be like the fucking DMCA fiesta to like get number one, two, three, four, five out, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that was that's interesting. I hope Google does something about it. Doesn't just like remove results because, like, what's the point? Otherwise, like, it's it's kind of useless. Yeah. Anything to add to this podcast? No. Just as I said before, that well, yes, as I said before, copycats and everything that goes around it. It's something which you're gonna encounter multiple times as your business grows. The bigger you get, the more it's gonna impact you. Don't take it personally though just approach it logically calmly and do what's in your best interest not in the best interest of hurting the people who do this yeah i think that's the main thing it's like don't become that like revenge person that needs to like like wants to get it back because they were not nice so you should not be nice to them it's like most of the time your time is better spent just keep doing what you're doing. If they're copying, you're probably doing okay. And therefore, do more of that. And if you came up with the original ideas, you're still ahead of them because they're just looking at what you're going to do next. And you can fuck with them with the stats I talked about, etc. cetera. Uh, so, so there's ways to kind of like lose them, etc. cetera. Uh, but most of the time, doing nothing is the best course of action. And I think... Yeah, don't it think it should be the main message of this podcast is it's going to happen to you, but most of the time it doesn't matter. Um, so on these uh, very wise words, which is quite rare from my side, we're going to leave you. We thank you for coming to join this podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like and subscribe below so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. And we have some YouTube videos that are pretty cool that are coming too. So join in there. Drop us a comment to let us know what you want us to cover next on the podcast. We're reading all the comments. We don't reply to all of them, but read them. Thank you for joining in. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.